This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. We're going to get started here in just a minute. Uh, but I want to encourage you to go and feel free to leave a review for the podcast. You can go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you wherever you listen. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, get some feedback. And uh, we, we check those on occasion, and so we appreciate the review. It also spreads the word of the podcast. And you can also uh, write us if you'd like to go through the website, practicalshepherding.com. You go to the contact page. You can reach you can reach me on social media with Twitter and, and Facebook, and we, we're in all those places. So we'd love to hear from you uh, if we can help in some way or if you want to suggest a podcast topic, which is what the topic is today, Jim. So we, we put it out there to ask people to tell us what they want us to talk about, and we get a really great response around that. So thank you for those who write us. Uh, we may not get to your topic, but we keep up with the list and uh, continue to just let us know what you would like for us to talk about when we ask on social media, as well as if you go to the contact page and, and write us in regard to that. So we want to tackle a topic, Jim, that somebody wrote in and, and asked a really good question, and it's why we wanted to be able to talk about it, and it's something we haven't talked about in, in for a while, and that is among pastors, elders in a church, how much camaraderie needs to exist among them? Um in other words, we're, we're talking about not just agreement on philosophy uh, of ministry, maybe even not just agreement on how doctrinally close do you have mm-hmm. to be. We talk camaraderie. We're talking about also the the organic nature of just friendship and relationship mm. with each other and how important is that aspect to it as well. We want to kind of hit all these sides to it, but how important is it to like each other as, mm. as elders? In other words... Being serving, if you're in a church where you can serve with more than one pastor, more than one elder, even in a, in a layperson capacity, uh, you're, those relationships can exist very transactionally. Mm. Because, and it happens a lot, actually. I've, a, lot, a lot of recent work I've done with groups of elders around this is that you, there's a ton of ministry, there's a ton of needs in the church. You can very easily have a transactional working relationship with mm. a lay elder and trying to just get all the ministry done. Right. And not have a relationship with him. Mm. And so that's what we want to talk about today, Jim. Can we first go to maybe a text that helps us think about uh, the relationship that elders should have with one another? Brian, I think there are several things you can bring to this. And, and I'm going to say, first of all, I agree with what you said there, that I, I don't, I'm not going to argue that this is of vital necessity. I'm not going to argue that this has to be there. There can be a degree of functionality with with any group of people that are able to work together. However, when you're dealing, first of all, just with the general realm of the church and with brethren, you know, the issues of affection one toward another, of enjoyment of one another, of love toward each other, of affection toward each other, that that ought to be there. It ought to mark a church. And among many other passages you could look at, I just think of Psalm 133, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And then he gives these illustrations, illustrations that may not mean a lot to us, you know, oil falling down Aaron's head through his beard under the uh, collar of his robe, or like the uh, the dew that fills Herman's flowers, uh, whatever. But you, whatever those analogies mean, you get the you get the idea. This is really wonderful. This is good. This is pleasant when brothers dwell together with 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 a unity that's not just a functional unity. 
uh, that's fine. That's good. But that there is a heartfelt, again, we're using this word camaraderie, where you get along with each other. Uh, you know, you, you get to the idea of, I mean, Jesus says to his disciples, we're friends. Uh, that you're, it's not just Lord Master, but that we're friends. Yeah. And, yeah. and when the Lord uses family dynamics, again, just to speak generally of the church, family dynamic, flock dynamic, body dynamic, uh, household dynamic, priesthood dynamic, all of these things speak together of functioning together, being together, working together, uh, and that this ought to be harmonious, it ought to be good, it ought to be pleasant. And to have a friend who sticks closer to a br- than a brother, a friend who's born for adversity, as the scriptures talk about among the benefits of friendship, a, a friend who sharpens us, who is able to get close enough to us, uh, who's able to to you know uh, you know not to have the kisses of an enemy, but the the wounds of a friend that we're able to receive. Uh, I think to be able to receive that, to benefit from each other, to sharpen each other, to be involved together in work that at times is very hard and at times is very sad that these aren't just guys I show up with and punch a clock with, but that these are my brothers, these are my friends, these are my companions. And again, as I'm going to make the argument that ought to mark the entirety of the body, and certainly in the microcosm of the eldership, and hopefully in the diaconate as well, uh, that we're able to get along one with another, because it certainly not only makes the work better, I think it functions better, it allows for an enjoyment and a longevity of those labors together that I think is not going to be there when you can say of a guy, I can work with you. Again, theologically, we're on the same page, but this is hard work, yeah. uh, just getting along with you. So that's great, and I want to add two things to that. One is I also think of Acts 20. You know, you have Paul talking to you know his final words to the Ephesian elders there. Mm-hmm. But then after Paul gives those final words, they escort him to the boat because right. that's going to be his send-off. Right. And they have this very tearful yeah. goodbye. And I'm always struck with that. I think a lot of focus gets put on what Paul says, yeah. which we should focus on, certainly. Right. But what that reveals to me is that that there was this deep affection that Paul right. and the elders of, of Ephesus had with Paul and right. each other. It, to just trying to imagine, you know, all these grown men standing on the shore, sending Paul off, and yeah, there's just kind of ugly crying other, taking right, place. Right. You know, what does that speak to? Yeah. I mean, what speaks to a lot of things, but one, I think, an undeniable affection that Paul had for the elders, the elders had for Paul, mm. and we would probably presume the elders had for each other yeah. in that environment. And so that's kind of what we want to be able to address. Second thing I want to say though, before we go on is we're. The specific question, and rightly so, is about elders and pastors working together in a church. Regardless of what your church structure is, mm. how it's made up, the things, the principal things we're going to talk about, I think, can be applied to any leadership team within your church. So mm. you've got deacons, if you've got just staff, like mm-hmm. these, those relationships can easily be just transactional to get the work done, but there's right. no camaraderie, there's no affection. So we're... Don't turn this off if you don't have elders or you're the solo pastor. This right. this is also about figuring out how to get the most out of your leaders working together with you 
in some kind of you know united front to get the work done and serve the church in that way. So we want. I think we most of what we're going to talk about is going to apply in that context too. So let's clarify, Jim. Let's what we want to specifically talk about. We've done even podcasts on uh, doctrine alignment, how much doctrine alignment, right. how much not uh, ministry philosophy alignment. What we want to focus on for these few minutes is that camaraderie piece, that that relationship piece between them, uh, a friendship that exists, a trust that exists among mm. them. That's kind of what we want to lay the focus on for this time. Yeah. So, you know, Jim, how important is let's let's start with. Let's start with affection for each other first. Right. How important is it, and what's the ramification of elders or leaders in a church serving together in a body but don't have a genuine love and affection for each other? What do you think is one of the ramifications of that? Well, you're going to have to spend time together. You're going to have to spend some, uh, at least I have found sometimes, you know, elders are spending, you're, you're together for two hours, three hours, sometimes extended uh, periods of time together, uh, laboring together, praying together, uh, working with the flock together. You may be doing visitation together. You may have staff retreats uh, together, uh, like we have one that'll be coming up uh, shortly. The reality of that is that affection is like oil on the in an engine you know it, it is it helps the parts to to work together to labor together uh it gives you an ability to not only work on the task but but remembering that uh, who's involved in that task so we're not just creating a product we're shepherding people together we're going through hard times often together uh and to be able to do that with someone that you know is not, again, just on the same page, doesn't just have the same goal in regard to that sheep, but somebody who loves you, who cares about you, who has your back, who's able to comfort you in your sorrows. This is part of the benefit of friendships. And what are the, the able to come alongside you, be a means of grace to you, be a help to you in order that I think you that you can not only be help, but that you can do your job better. Yeah, that's good. And by the way, the kind of three things I want to hit on briefly affection trust investment okay Okay. so affection trust so we're talking about first about affection like and i would say that um having the having leaders having elders pastors in the same church have a genuine affection for each other one of the practical things that comes from that is you give each other the benefit of the doubt Mm. when you don't have a genuine love for somebody you tend to naturally maybe question their their um judgment or their motives in mm. what they're doing. And so mm. I I think the affection piece is really important because otherwise we're we're maybe doubting why they're doing this or there's there's not a there's not a genuine love. When we when we love somebody and have a genuine affection for somebody, we give people the benefit of the doubt. The the first place to know a marriage is going south is when all of a sudden a spouse does not give their spouse mm. the benefit of the doubt. They start to think the worst of them. They start to think the worst of their motives, and and it's just all it's downhill from there. And there's got to be a recovery. Uh, realize that's what's happening. I think the same is true for leaders in the church, and that's really important when a tough issue comes up, and there's disagreement on this on how this should be handled. What's going to cause you to submit to your brother in that 
if you don't have a genuine love for them, which means, you know, I'm, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, his motives in this is here, even though we disagree on this point. Mm. Where I watch a lot of elders just kind of go at war with each other is when that doesn't, ex- it exposes a genuine affection doesn't exist because I'm thinking the worst of you. Right. And, and love keeps no wrongs. I mean, right. I, I, so I think love and affection is one of the main things that allows an elder team to, to really thrive in that. And when it's not there, and I mean, I've just worked with elders even recent days around this. Like one of the things that got us exposed is like, y'all, I don't, I'm not sure if you guys have a genuine love for each mm. other and it's causing the cynicism and skepticism and um, not trusting motives and all those kinds of things around it. So, so that's affection. I think that's an important piece of the camaraderie. Okay. Let me move to trust, Jim. Yeah. How important is trust in the camaraderie of elders, pastors, leaders, how important it is that you trust each other as you do the work of the ministry, and what can happen if there's not a trust there? Well, if you don't trust, then you're going to you're going to wind up being divided against each other in one way or another. Functionally, uh, what will begin to happen, and and Brian, I think you you uh, you get things like this because most of the emails go to you, and so I see some of them. And I do think this is a real issue where you have guys are they're with fellow elders. They're not sure these guys are qualified sometimes. And yep. that's, a, that's another issue. Right. They're not sure that they're all on the same page. They're not sure that this is, that they, they all have, an, whether they have an agreement with each other. And I think sometimes we have to be, maybe it helps sometimes to be suspicious of ourselves and to say, look, all wisdom doesn't reside with me. They don't agree with me. Maybe the problem's with me and not just with them. Yeah. You know? So, yep. and, and, and so that when you do have, look, these are good men, these are godly men. Hopefully they have gone through a, a process of evaluation so that they have some, their, their Bible qualifications have been brought before the congregation, the congregation has set them forward, and so they're your elders. You know They have not re- achieved that illegitimately, it's not just been a power play or something like that, they're there. And so you have to function together. The best way to learn to function with each other is is to not just recognize, okay, he's gifted, he's qualified, he should be an elder, and we need to learn to work together. Well, you learn to work together through interacting with each other and building, as you, you mentioned, first of all, affection, but also trust. Why, why shouldn't I trust this person? They, op- they need to have, if, they, if they're qualified, then they have some wisdom, they have some discernment, they have right. some theological savvy to them, and I should listen to them. Uh, I should I should hear what they say when they push back uh, on me, and you can only do that with somebody you trust. If you don't, then you're going to resent it, and it's going to lead to uh, bitter and factious uh, interactions together. That's really good. I think trust also um, trust will determine how much you open up personally mm. in that environment. Trust a lack of trust means I'm going to be guarded in our meetings together as we're discussing how to try to care for each other and the church. And that's going to be a huge hindrance. So the the la- a lack of trust that exists among leaders, elders working together, is you're not as nearly fruitful in, in doing the work, whatever, mm. whatever that particular decision is, whatever that particular need that's there. Um, if you don't trust each other, you don't feel an, an, a freedom to just share openly. All right. If you don't feel like your other elders are for you, and, and that's a challenge with some of the people who especially inherit, like you said, inherit men serving in leadership roles where you don't trust them. You know, mm. they don't, part of your distrust is I don't know if they qualify or not. 
So there's this tension of, I was taught by my mentor, and wisely, you inherit leaders when you go into an existing church, do all you can to work with them the best you can. And I think that's good advice. However, when you come to a place where you just feel flat out, I can't trust this person, mm. you know, that's going to put a strain on the group and the relationship there. And it's ultimately going to hinder that group's ability to be able to care for the flock well. Yeah. And maybe, Brian, maybe we can talk later on in this episode even, because sometimes that mistrust is warranted. Yes. And I think that, you know, maybe if we were to deal with a danger of, of affection and camaraderie, is that maybe we it gives us a blind spot yeah. to an elder's fa- failings and fallings. Sure. And sometimes people say, I saw it, but because I loved him, because he's my friend, because I, sure. that, can be, that can be a hindrance. And, you know, whether we need to say any more about that than that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in bringing in somebody, let me, let me ask this question of you because you mentioned and we both talked about inheriting coming into a situation where you're the new pastor and there's elders already there you're bringing in a new man and the and the congregation has seen this person whatever whatever your process is so our process quickly and our churches at least once a year during a our, our we have an annual a big annual business meeting at that time people are able to put the names forward of any man they believe is qualified to be an elder or a deacon. And that's brought to the, the elders and you know, look at, pray over it. There's one name especially that comes up more than others. How much would you question, all right, this guy, just, let's be honest, some guys, some guys in the church are harder to get along with than others. You may be doctrine on the same page, but you just you just have a hard time connecting or they're prickly in a way that you don't appreciate, but the congregation has put them forward. They meet basically the qualifications. Would you say to the guy or say to the congregation, he's just not going to be a good fit with me and with the other one or two elders that are here. I think it would mess up the, the chemistry that exists. And therefore, even though you believe he's qualified, and I believe that in many ways he's qualified, but that he shouldn't be an elder here. Yeah. Would you say that? Yeah, I, I think in that if uh, just because a man qualifies as an elder doesn't mean he would be a good fit in a certain church. Okay. If that wasn't the case, then we would just tell, just you go to that church and you go to that church. We don't even have a process. You're qualified, man. Go. Right. I, I think there is a, a cohesion that has to exist okay. among good. the group. And yeah, I with think that church and with an eldership, and I yeah. and and I think that's part of. I mean, I remember wrestling with this because I had a, f- a few men through the years in our church that, on paper, seemed to qualify as an elder, but none of us felt like they were a good fit personality wise with mm. with our group, and we wrestled through. Do you just make him an elder? Or do you not? And in one case, we actually made him an elder, and it was a mistake. Okay, so. Uh, I, I definitely would say that I, I believe it's just not a hard fast rule. Uh, yeah. There's got there's just got to be an organic chemistry that that at least to try to to try to exist. Now, having said that, a mature godly man who qualifies as a shepherd and an elder should fit most places, regardless. Yeah, right. But I do believe you have to have on the table. We, th- this does matter that you don't just cancel that. That think it's always going to work out in that way. So no, very good. Yeah. So let's go to the last one, Jim. Um, the, we did affection, trust, and investment. Last one we want to talk about. How important is it that elders invest in each other's personal lives uh, for the sake of working well together for the flock? So in other words, how important, I'll ask you this personally for you, right. how important was it for you that your fellow elders knew your children well or mm. could go and have a conversation with your wife 
and had an actual relationship with her apart from you. Uh, how important was that for the elder for the cohesion of the elders? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking back through the years of the various men that I've served with. Uh, one of them probably was a bit less on that and others more so uh, through the years. And then the, the men that we have now, again, probably more naturally because, you know, you know one, of our, one of my fellow elders is really one of my best friends. And so we've spent a lot of time together as family. And then uh, Pastor John, our, our beloved uh, oldest uh, elder in the church, is in his early 70s. Uh, John and his wife, Venice are our favorite of the kids and uh, of all the kids in the church. Uh, John has a, a certain way of, and both of them do together, uh, of investing in the lives of the kids, and the kids just love them to death, and yeah. my, my kids do too. I mean, the younger elder, I think he probably has a, a harder time. I mean, he loves us, and he'll ask about us, but he's he's young enough to be my son. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And so there's, it's a different dynamic, totally different. Yeah. you know, yeah. the of, of peers or those or those who are uh, or those who are older. But it has been one of the that's been one of the delights of, of serving uh, in the church. I have had that blessing and benefit mm. uh, with the men that I have uh, that I've labored with. Yep. I, I believe I was able to love their families, and they love my family, and I, I believe that they had a love for me. I would say that the strongest elder teams we ever had was at a time when all the elders had a camaraderie with a genuine enjoyment of one another Mm. and everybody invested in each other's Mm. families. Yeah. Uh, That was the strongest elder team. I think there was more in play there. There was, it's a real just, you know, there's a a great cohesion with the group and all those kind of things. But that's why I want to bring that in as this last element is, is I think that, there may be personality quirks that you don't like. Mm. You know, there may be you're trying to love this person, right? But you know, you can't just force yourself to love people. Like you know, build a well, deep you, affection. You, with yeah, yeah. Well, uh, actually, you can and you can't. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's another. A whole argue, podcast, that's another. We'll do a separate right, one right, on that. Yeah, yeah. But my point is, everyone can invest in each other, yeah. and so I would say, in in regard to trying to create some uh, cohesion among elders leadership teams in general, make the effort to invest in one another personally could, to bring this full circle, uh, begin to bring a trust and an affection between that. I was, I was just going to say that. All right. What's your, no, you, you, so what's uh, your final word on this? Yeah, Jim? no, that I would be yours. it. Right. Because when you, how do you build, a, how do you build trust? How do you build affection for somebody? Well, people that care about you, I mean, yeah. people you love the most are those that have invested in you, care about you, ask about you. Uh, have you on their heart? Uh, who who love your kids? Uh, uh, who who care about your family? Uh, you know, the, and they've they've spent the time. It's how you build affection in your congregation. You yeah, want no you, doubt. If you want your congregation to love you, don't you feed them well? Yes, if you feed them well. But if you invest in them, you know you know their kids. You know what's going on. You let them know you're praying for them. You come alongside them in their in their in their struggles, and all of a sudden, yeah, they do. They trust you more. They they even trust you with how you handle the scriptures more. And then they they and that and that builds an affection. Yeah. Now, some people it's the affection first. Some people are 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 very very. They're just so lovable, 
And we know some people like that, that you just so enjoy them yep. from the first few minutes that you're around them. They're just delightful. But others, you build that up and it's stronger as a result of this. It's not just they have a winsome personality yep. and they make you laugh and set you at ease, but because they, they, they have genuinely cared about you, invested in you, they pray for you, they shepherd you. Yep. And, and that's why you, you can build that together. Here's my final word on this, that we go to pastor the congregation God gives us, not the one we want it to be. It's the one that's there. Right. And I want to just stress to that, if you're going into an existing church, you're inheriting a whole leadership structure and leaders there, whether they should be serving as leaders or not, it try to uh, invest and accept that you. this is who you will have now. And it doesn't mean you don't work to try to build up more leaders, more qualified leaders, right. better leaders. But I want to stress, there's a lot of pastors that get really discouraged because they don't have the leaders they want. Right, and you got to first start with accepting leaders you have. So do your best to accept and and love. Try to earn, to gain the trust, earn trust, but then invest in those leaders. And you might be surprised they may become that leader because you invest exactly. in them. However, also be praying and building up others and looking to invest in others over the course. You know, hopefully the goal is within five, ten years. You have a strong leadership team because you've done both things. You've invested in the current leaders and you've raised up others uh, to ultimately qualify and be a good cohesive group that you have to serve there. So, Jim, will you take a minute as we wrap to pray for for pastors to have wisdom around these uh, caring for their leaders in that way? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, the church and we thank you for how we believe you have set it up and how it will function in a way for your glory and for the good of your people. And Father, as we would labor together, as if, if pastors are listening to this, as they labor together with others, Lord, we pray that you would uh, help and build affection in our hearts, uh, love in our hearts uh, toward others. Let us invest in others, and Father, trust that perhaps it will in time be reciprocated, and that where there may be coldness or dullness or uh, a lack of function, that by our determination to love well, uh, that there would be healing, uh, that there would be growth, and that our elderships may uh, work together uh, with greater harmony and greater delight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.